We're going to talk about a brand new message today. Old man, new man. Amen. But we're going to major on new man. But I want to talk to you today about something. Father, we just come to you now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the life that you've given us. You said I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And we thank you, Lord, for that life today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you might want to turn to chapter 12 of Matthew. We'll get there in a minute. Okay? But I want to start out with something. The Lord woke me up this morning with something, too. He reminded me of back in about 1972 when we was in Ardmore, Oklahoma, the CFO camp. How many of you have ever been to a CFO camp? I see those hands. CFO, Camp Furthest Out at Ardmore. And we were furthest out. But Charles Simpson was there. And he was speaking there, and he had a table back there with his tapes on it. And for three days, I walked by this one tape. It was called Speaking the Truth in Love. And every time I walked by, I'd look at that tape. And finally, I spent the $5 and bought the tape. So I probably listened to that tape probably 20 times. Still have it in my library there somewhere, and every once in a while, it's a good thing to listen to. But when he first got spirit-filled as a Baptist and he was wanting to go to all these other denominations and preach the truth to them, and God said, Charles, let me ask you a question about your motive. Do you want to go preach to these other denominations because you want them to know the truth? Or do you want to go preach to them because you want them to know you know the truth? There is a difference. See, we won't talk about motives today. See, what makes the difference between the old man and the new man is nothing but motives. One of them selfish, and the other is a heart of love. And so you can tell which one you're in, if it's self-centered and selfish and all that. And see, what the Holy Spirit has come to do, he's come with the Holy Ghost and fire to begin to expose our motives. The Holy Spirit brings to light those hidden motives of the heart. And then the fire of the Holy Ghost will burn out the chaff so we can what? Walk. In the newness of life. And so, you know, that's an ever-present process in our life. And as you think about that, I remember in 2 Timothy 2, 19 through 26, I think it says there, it says, In the great house there's not only vessels of gold and silver. It says the foundation of God standeth sure. There you go. Having this seal, the Lord knows them that are his. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. For in the great house there's not only vessels of what? Gold and silver, but also wood and earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. And if a man will purge himself, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet, and prepared for the master's use for every good work. Now, let me tell you something. If a, a man will purge him what? What did he say? Self. What's the problem here? What makes the difference between gold and silver and wood and earth? It's self. Now, get that. What he's saying there, if you'll purge your old self... You'll be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use and prepared for every good work. And you can say, here am I, Lord, use me. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 7, it says, Having all these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Let us cleanse our what? Don't miss the word, self. He's not talking about your new self. He's talking about that old self. Cleanse that self from all the filthiness and what? Walk in the holiness that's been freely given to you. All right? And in Hebrews 9, 14, it says, The blood of Christ, how much more shall the blood of Christ, 
purge your conscience from the old dead self to serve the living God. See, that's what the new covenant's all about. The old covenant could not purge your conscience. But the new covenant gives you a new conscience because he gives you a new heart and a new spirit. In James chapter 4, I think verse 7 and 8 says, Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. What is that? Two-souled. How do you purify your, your heart? Your old self. That's the double-mindedness. So, see, God is constantly, right now, working on everyone to help what? Purge their conscience. See, now, you've got to remember something now. We're going to go through this. Look with me in Matthew chapter 12. So I want to clarify what we're talking about. When we're talking about this, you know a while ago when, when Steve was talking about the devil harassing these folks? How many of you know the devil harasses every one of us? And let me know, you know how he does it in your old self, your old man? Your old nature is demonic. A lot of people don't like me to say that. But it's true. It's born of a corruptible seed, and it's Adamic. The only answer is an incorruptible seed that's of God. So the only answer to our problem of this old man is an exchange life. Walking in the new life. Amen? Because what does it say in First Peter? I think about 1, about 22. Seeing you have purified your souls. How'd you do that? In obeying the truth to unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed by the word of God. that lives and abides forever. How do you purge your, your soul? Exchange through the truth into a new heart so that I can love you with a pure heart fervently. Is anybody can love anybody with a pure heart in your old soul? You can't get past loving yourself long enough to love anybody else. So see, it's all about that exchange. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Now what's he been talking about here? They accused him of casting out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And he said what? Listen, a house divided against itself what? Cannot stand. I mean, you know, a lot of times in our, in our bodies we have houses divided against ourselves. Are you with me? Because that old man is always there trying to remind you of what you haven't done or what you are doing. And he says, a house divided cannot stand against itself. So he goes on and says, if I cast out devils by the Holy Ghost, what's he casting devils out by? The Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God has come to you. So that's what he's talking about here. In verse 33, what's he saying here when he's talking about divided? Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and the fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. A good tree, he says in Matthew 7, cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. There is your separation. There's no sense trying to make the old soul produce good fruit. It's impossible. Now, all the old soul can do is when you can move from the tree of knowledge of evil to the tree of knowledge of good and try to do good and be religious so it can be acceptable to God. But that's not fruit because it can never produce good fruit. Okay, so we see that. And what did he say to them? Oh, generation of vipers. He was talking about the religious bunch of the hour. How can you be an evil? Speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What's he saying? That old Adamic nature. And he says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say, every idle, inactive, unemployed word that men shall speak, they will give an account in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words thou shalt be condemned. Okay, what did he say right there? 
they didn't have a clue because it says the next thing they said to him, and they answered him and said, uh, we want to see a sign from you. They didn't even listen to what he said. All they said is that then they said to him, Master, we would see a sign from you. That's like me just preaching to you what I just preached, and Mike says, hey, we want to see a sign. I say, Mike, did you hear what I just said? No. All they wanted to see was a sign. And Jesus said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. See, they couldn't hear. They didn't have ears to hear. See, that's one of the problems with the old man. He can't hear. He's always thinking about something selfish in his own life. So we see what he's, what he's talking about here. So we've been talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look, what the Lord showed us a couple of three weeks ago. And I always thought about this as someday in Judgment Day that it says every man's looking in, in 1 Corinthians chapter. How many of you know this letter was written as a one letter? It wasn't broken up in chapters. How many of you know that? All right. Now he says here in chapter 2, look, he's talking about uh, this Corinthian church. They were not lacking in any of the gifts. They were flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. But they were spiritually baby carnal Christians. And he says to here, look in verse chapter 2, 14. But the natural old Adamic man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. But the spiritual discerns all things, and he himself is judged of no man. And he says, for who has known the mind of the Lord, they may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. See the exchange. Now, verse, next verse, I could not speak to you as spiritual, but carnal for your babes. Why did he say that? I fed you with milk and not meat. You weren't able to bear it. And you're carnal. There's envy. There's strife. There's division. You're carnal, and you walk as mere men. You see the old man there? That's the problem of the church today. 99.9% of the problem in church is old man. Give me an amen. amen. He says, for one says, I'm of Apollos. Oh, I'm a Baptist. I, I, I'm of Apollos. I'm of Paul. I'm a Methodist. He says, you're carnal. You're just carnal. And look, he goes on to say, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed on the Lord Jesus. I planted the polished water, but God's one that brings the increase. Neither is he that planteth anything, neither he, he that watereth. Now he goes on to say, they that plant and they that water are one. Now we're laborers with God. But look in here. Verse 11, he says, now listen. No other foundation can anyone lay than that which was laid, which is Christ Jesus and what he's done. Now he says, if any man build upon this foundation of what Christ done, it's gold and silver and precious stones. Right? It's what we read a while ago in a great house. But there's also wood, hay, and stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, but it shall be revealed by fire. Of the fire shall try every man's of what so- works, what sort it is. Now, if any man's works abide which he has built their own, he will s- receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet as by fire. Now look here. I want to show you something here. How many of you know the scripture says some men's sins go on before the judgment and others follow after? Okay? See, our sins has already gone to judgment. All right? We have already received the Holy Ghost in fire. For what purpose? To mature us up and to show us the things that's freely given to us in Christ. Now look with this, what he's saying here. Now let me read it to you in the Greek. Now every man's work shall be made manifest for the light, the day, will declare it because it has already been revealed by fire. It's not going to be someday. It is revealed by the fire that you're walking in now. If you walk in the light as he's in the light, you have fellowship what? 
with the one another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his sons cleanses you continually from all chaff and sin. See, it's not someday that this is going to happen. Someday it's going to happen for the religious bunch and the other bunch. But for us, it's happening every single day of your life. The Holy Ghost is showing you things in our life that does not conform to his image. So the Holy Ghost and fire will burn it up. Okay? And he says, it is revealed by the fire. Not going to be. That's the Greek. It says right there, even the King James has a little uh, check there. And you go down and look and see what it says. And it says, is revealed. Is revealed. Not going to be someday. See, that's what's wrong with Christianity and religion today. We put everything off someday. Just a few more weary days and we're all going to fly out of here. Well, what about living every day here? He put us here to be light and salt in this world. So we can shine and we can have life and have it abundantly. Not someday, now. We don't need it when we get there. We'll be like him because we'll be just see him as he is. We need all this now so we can glorify our Father who is in heaven. Amen? Proverbs 14.10 says the heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle with its joy. Push it, put that up there for me. And he says, the house, the next verse, the house of the wicked shall be overthrown, but the tabernacle of the righteous shall flourish. Now look, the heart knows its own bitterness. That's the old man. A stranger will he not intermeddle with his joy. The house is the heart of the wicked. It is the heart of the wicked shall be overthrown, but the heart of the upright shall flourish. There is your contrast. See, we've been given a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26, get it down. A new heart will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. And I'll take away the stony heart and give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my ways. Jeremiah 24, 7, I will give you a heart to know me. Hebrews 8, I will give you a heart, and I'll write my laws in your heart and your minds, and that you'll be my people, and I'll be your God. Because Jeremiah 17, 19 says what? The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. That's the old Adamic nature. How many of you know an old Adamic seed cannot be made righteous? It has to be born from above. And with the heart, we believe for a new one. Amen? It's all about the exchange. And we see that. Now, Job chapter 7, verse 17 It says, what is man that you should magnify him, that you should set your heart upon him? Verse 18 says, and that you should visit him every morning and try him every moment. Come on now. You think the Holy Ghost is just come in just to comfort us and and just pat us on the back every once in a while and say, you know, I really love you. Or is he here to conform us in the image of his son? He visits us every morning. And he what? tries us every moment. What's he doing? He's beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord as we look upon it. And we are being transformed, exchanged into his very image, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. How does he do that? He exposes motives and things that's not right. And he burns it up as we submit to that. See, every day we should be conformed a little more to his image. Romans 8 says God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his dear son. And I remember Bob Mumford said, he said, one of these days we'll stand before him and we'll see how much we conformed while we were here to the image of his son. We are supposed to be conforming to that very image, right? Every day as by the Spirit of God. That's why the Spirit of the Lord has come upon us, so we can have that. You know, one of the, one of the scriptures, 
Psalms 139. Look what David said. Verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my downsettings, my uprisings. You understand my thoughts afar off. You can pass my path, my path and my lying downs. You're acquainted with all my ways. For there's not a word in my tongue, Lord, but you know it altogether. You have beset me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me, and your right hand hold me. If I say, surely that darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Why? Because wherever I'm at in darkness, you're going to be there, and whatever that darkness is, it's going to be light. Because of your presence. Amen? Yea, the darkness hides not from thee. But night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. You possess what? My mind, my reins. You have covered me in, in my mother's wombs. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that your soul knows right well. My substance was not hid from you when I was made in the secret and curiously wrought in all the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in your book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when there was yet none of them. Is that God's presence with us all the time? Did Jesus say, I'll never leave you nor forsake you? He didn't come to just get us saved and go sit up there and wait till we get raptured so he can see us again. He said, we will come and make our abode. I'll send the comforter and me and the father will come and there'll be three of us abiding in your temple Amen. every day. So I'm telling you, you can't have this kind of father, son and Holy Ghost in your life without a little fire shining the way in your life. Come on, don't shout me down. Amen. See, that's what's going on inside of us. It says, the Father has given the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. There are three motives that seem to rise above the others the Holy Spirit's working on in their lives. Let me start them. First, there is fear. Second, there's hope. And third, there is the love. Fear is based on what we might lose. He exposes the motives of that fear of what we might lose. The second, hope is what we might gain. How many of you know there's a motive in, in what you might gain? Amen. Come on now, don't shut me down. Love is what we might give. The Holy Spirit's constantly working on those. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. Oh, hallelujah. I feel it. Chapter 19. This is called the rich young ruler. Verse 16, Behold, one came to him and said, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Anybody out there? You ever felt that? Father, what good thing can I do that I might inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Why are you calling me good? There's none good but one, that's God. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. Why? He was under the law. And he said, which? And Jesus gave him, oh, don't commit murder, adultery, uh, steal, bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother and, and love your neighbors yourself. The young man said to him, these have I kept from my youth up. What do I lack? How many of you know he might have been exaggerating a little bit? How many of you know Jesus knew he might have been exaggerating a little bit? But you know what he said? I've kept all these, but there's still something lacking in my life. That's what he was saying to Jesus. What is it still lacking in my life? Oh, verse 21, Jesus said, if you will be perfect, 
If that word perfect is not sinless perfection, it's maturity. Go and sell that you have. Give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Jesus knew the motive of this young man. This young man had had riches and possessions and everything he wanted all his life. And all he was looking for is to add eternal life to his collection of things he possessed. Jesus saw right through it. He said, go sell everything you got and come follow me and you'll have riches in heaven. And he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. See, Jesus looked right to the source and said, this is a heart problem. And he went away sad. But when he went away, then Jesus said to his disciples, Verily I say unto you that the rich man shall hardly enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I say unto you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to go to the kingdom of heaven. The disciples heard it. They were exceedingly amazed and said, Who then can be saved? Jesus beheld them. One verse says he loved them and said, With men it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. How many of you know salvation with man is impossible? But with him it's impossible. You know, if that rich young man said, rich young ruler said, help me, I can't do this. It's impossible for me to do. Jesus would have helped him do it. Because right. with us, it is impossible. How many of you are going to run into a lot of things in your life? You're going to have to say, God, this is impossible. And he's going to say, I've just been waiting for you to say it's impossible. So it can be what? Impossible. See, there is not a thing in our life that's possible with man. But everything's possible with him. And that's what he was saying to them. And then he said, look in verse 27. And then here's Peter. Behold, we have forsaken all and follow you. What shall we have therefore? Okay, there's his testing of what he might hope of gain. All right, let's look here. Verily I send you that they which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, and you sit upon the twelve tribes, judging the tribes of Israel... Everyone that has forsaken houses, brother, sister, and father, mother, wife, children, lands for my sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit eternal life. Oh, but then he says something to Peter. By the way, Peter, many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. He's saying, Peter, your motive can keep you from being first and make you be last. Your motive will determine whether you be first or you be last. See, Peter wanted it now. You remember when Jesus said to Peter, he said, Get thee behind me, Satan. He said, You savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of man. There's your old man. There's your new man. He says, Your heart is not right, Peter. You know, we all fall into this same example. We all have that old man nature like the young man had. Every one of us has to battle that thing. All of us in our land wants to do something to make ourselves worthy of God. But Ephesians 1 6, he told me back in 1977, he said, Son, I have made you accepted in the beloved Ephesians 1 6. And if I've made you accepted, who in the world can reject you? Nobody. Highly favored, I've made you. And you know what? I've never doubted it since. Come on now. Because the real problem in every one of us is to want acceptance. But it's not really people we need it from. It's needed God. And God didn't set a, set a rules and regulations. He sent his son to make us accept it. In the beloved, 
Amen. The gospel of Isaiah 53 is not based on what we do, but what Christ has done for us. We can only receive what he's done for us when we allow him to expose all the old motives and tear away all of those misconceptions. All the striving, struggling, doing, and trying to be perfect keeps us from what he's already done for us. When he has delivered us from ourselves, then our eyes of our understanding are enlightened so we can see what Christ has done for you. That's what Paul prayed in Ephesians 1.18. And see, we see that from the very foundation, God has made us perfect and holy before him in love. You know the thing about God? If you want to do something for him, how many of you know him and his grace, he'll let you? He'll let you do something to please him just as long as you want to. A lot of people spend a lifetime trying to do stuff to please the Father. And then someday they realize that he's already accepted. It's been a waste of time. You've wasted your whole life in wood, hay, and stubble trying to do something for him instead of doing something because of what he's already done for you, which is gold, silver, and precious stones. Many that are first shall be last. Matthew twenty two fourteen says what? For many are called, but few are what? Chosen. Because straight is a gate, and there is a way that leads to life, Matthew seven fourteen, and few there be that find it. See, we're talking about new life. Few there be that actually find the abundant life. Then he goes on, the next verse said, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, O man, they're ravaging wolves. The old man with old, me- old motives. Matthew chapter 20. You remember when he gave the parable. I'm not going to read it for time's sake. And he started hiring laborers early in the morning, and they agreed with him for a certain amount. And he, he kept hiring laborers all day long. And then finally, right at the last, he hired somebody and sent them out right at the end. And then at the end of the day, they all come and started getting their money. And he paid those that just come in 30 minutes before the same as he paid those that bore the heat of the day. And immediately there was chaos going on among the saints. And they said, why does he receive the same pay that I got when I had to work all day in the heat? And he, he said to them, what did he say? He says, why are you saying this out of your evil, evil heart? He says, can I not in a good heart give the same to the last as I gave to the first? Am I evil because I want to do you good and not evil? See, he, he just disrupted the whole standard we got set in this world by the old man. What he's saying is, you get into last, I'm going to give you the same as I gave those at the first. It worked all their life, and they may even be getting killed for their faith. Because you know why? He gives everything to us without, without measure. He gives us it all, first or last. Are you freely been given everything in Christ? Or you been partially given everything in Christ? See, you know that standard of fairness we all struggle with? It's not a kingdom thing. He freely gave us everything while we were yet sinners. It's just a matter of us waking up and seeing what he's already freely given to us. Am I evil? He said, am I bad because your hearts are evil? Can I do with my own what I want? How many of you know God is God? Now, what's he after here? Who can tell me? He's exposing motives. 
See, constantly he's exposing our motives so we can really see it for what it is. So he can purge it away. That's this whole Christian walk. It's so he can what? I think Malachi says he's sitting as a refiner of fire, a purifier of the sons of Levi, that we may offer our offering to him in righteousness. What does that mean? A right relationship. So that's what's going on. Every day of our life, every morning he visits us, every moment, he's testing us to see what we're going to. Now, does he do that because he don't like us? I think in Hebrews, what's it say? What father chastens his son? Every father that loves his son is going to chasten his son so that he will do what's right. And he says, now, if you're not having any chastening going on in your life, the King James says you're bastards and not sons. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, after the chastening, you receive a what? Peaceable fruit of righteousness to those that have been exercised therewith. How many of you know God is exercising you? Exorcism. Some of it's exorcism. But it's okay. It's a good exercise. I know it's not one of the messages you want to shout me down on. But I'm just trying to explain to you what's going on in your life. Okay? Does, if he loves us, he's going to take us through this. How many of us resisted in the blood striving against this? Nobody. Jesus has already shed the blood. One time I did. I got to rejoice in it. I was doing deliverance. This one guy kicked me and my watch cut me and I was dripping blood. And I said, yes, I have. I've shed some blood here. But there's a lot of people all over the world that have shed blood. We just happen to live in America where we don't shed it very often. But that could change. Hear me. If you're going to go on with him, they're going to think you're a little strange. Amen? He says, the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if your eye be evil, it's all is full of darkness. See, all he's talking about is motive, motive of the heart. So we see this. Jesus is exposing our fear motives of what the future holds. Why is he exposing that? He, Jesus is exposing our fear motive of what the future holds to him who holds the future. He's trying to take your fear of what the future holds to, your, to him who holds your future. He wants you to trust him who holds your future, not be fear of what the future is. He gave me that. I thought it was good. He also is exposing our motives of what we can get to what I can do for the Father. You know, we talked about this morning. You know, as a son, I mean, if you know, as a son, not to become a son, you want to do what the Father's will is. Is that right? You really desire to please the Father and do what he wants you to. You know, we're talking about that we don't have the fear of God like we used to have in our churches today. Well, years ago when they started preaching sinners in the hand of an angry God, they could smell the fire of hell coming up. And there was most people was getting saved so they didn't have to go to, heaven, go to hell. Now, we got a little more sophisticated and we started preaching not that if you don't get saved, you're going to hell. But if you get saved, you get to go to heaven. But both of them is just as selfish as the other. It's about what I get. 
I believe somewhere along the line, the Father wants us to do what we do because of our love for Him, not to keep out of hell or to go to heaven. You with me? I think there's a motive that's more pure than staying out of hell or going to heaven. It's doing the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. Amen? So that's what's going on. So He can bring us up to full-grown children. You know, he said if he laid down his life for us, we need to learn to lay down our lives for each other. Sometimes that costs you. Paul said, I have no man like-minded who naturally cares for your state. They all seek their own, not the things of Jesus Christ. And then he said, I, in, said, I please all men in all things, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many that they may be saved. See, all I'm hearing there is that new man confession of what Paul was, was saying about his new life. You know, right at the end, when it was time for Jesus to leave, he told them that he's fixing to leave. And James and John's mom come up and said, let me get, ask a request of you. Would you mind if my two sons sit on the right and left side of your throne when you come in your kingdom? And I believe the sons was behind that because they knew he's fixing to leave. And they wanted to sit on the right hand and the left hand. But the problem was when the other disciples heard it, they were furious. Why were they furious? What was their motive? Selfish. They were still arguing when it was time for the Passover, when Jesus was fixing to go on. So he said, what are you arguing about on the way here? Well, who's going to be the greatest? Three and a half years, he worked with motives in those disciples, and they didn't get it. So he took a pan and a towel, and he sat down at Peter's feet and started to wash them. And Peter said, you can't wash my feet. He said, listen, I didn't come to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give my life a ransom for many. He that's greatest in this kingdom is a servant of all. He was still working on motives. So see, God loves us too much to leave us alone with our bad motives. Our selfish, self-centered motives. He's paid too high a price for us to live our life and waste our life self-centered about ourselves instead of somebody else. See, I want to glorify our Father which is in heaven. I want to finish this course that we've been called. Don't you? Not just finish it, but finish it with joy and finish it with purpose and passion to glorify our Father who is in heaven. Amen? Now, that's what this is all about today. Eric, come on up. We talked about this morning. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you see what I've done for you so you can be what I've called you to be. Amen? Still love me? Okay.